Did you know some travel credit cards offer 10x points on your spending? Don't miss out on big rewards for your next trip. NerdWallet lets you compare smart travel credit cards side by side, curated by an expert team of finance nerds. What could future you do with better travel rewards? A free flight? A room upgrade? Don't wait to make smart financial decisions. Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. Reminder, credit is subject to lender approval and terms apply. NerdWallet. Finance smarter. Supercharge your work decks with AI-powered Canva presentations. All you do is start with a prompt. You describe your, your presentation in a few words, and Canva presentations will generate captivating slides that you can then customize in seconds. Canva presentations are designed for every workplace and every department. Whether you work in sales, marketing, HR, ops, and more, Canva presentations can generate any deck you want for work. Sales decks, marketing presentations, onboarding plans, you name it. Any department can save time on any presentation with AI. Generate slides and seconds with Canva presentations at canva.com. Designed for work. What's up? This your boy Lil Duval. And check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed... (laughs) Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts, if you dare. Welcome to How to Money. I'm Joel. And I am Matt. And today we're talking paying off a million dollars of debt with Nasima McElroy. Yeah, our guest today is Nasima McElroy. Nasima, she is a registered nurse. She's got a master's in healthcare administration, and she founded the website Financially Intentional and launched the podcast Nurses on Fire, both of which exist to help nursing professionals achieve a sense of financial freedom in their lives. Uh, it seems like there's a ton of career opportunities there for folks, so we're excited to touch on that later on. Uh, but Nasima, she also wrote the book Smart Money to give folks a step-by-step plan to crush their debt. But most impressively, as the title of this episode revealed, Nasima, she's paid off over $1 million of debt. And uh, yeah, you, you thought that you had debt problems. <laughs> <laughs> Nasima got after it. We're excited to have her share her story with us today. So Nasima, thank you for joining us today on How to Money. Thank you for having me, guys. I'm excited to be here. We're excited to have you, Nasima. And the first question we ask anybody who comes on the show is about what they like to splurge on. Because Matt and I, one of our main things that we like to splurge on is good beer. We don't hold back. And we're drinking a really good one right now. Some would say we spend too much money on that, and we would laugh in their face. So uh, <laughs> what, what would you say? What's your craft beer equivalent? What do you like to splurge on, even while you're saving money and investing for the future? 
my splurge, my biggest splurge is going to have to be my Tesla. Like, I can't give it up. Like, that's my thing. Like, I love Teslas. And so when I paid off my debt, that was like my first thing. Like, I'm getting my Tesla. That's it. I work okay. hard for I it. I have a little car envy now. I uh, Matt and I, we, we talk a lot about the Rivians. We joke about the Rivians. Oh, we yeah. joke. Those are bit. nice. It's a joke, but not really. <laughs> I really want one someday. And we actually might get a, a new Rivian plant, potentially, like 40, 40, oh. 45 minutes away from not, our house. So Not even. Just a, yeah, just a few miles down the road. So I might we're, go we're expecting to see those trucks on the road all over the place here. And we, we've joked that like maybe in 10 years, get a usual Joel one. will get one that's like seven <laughs> years old. Yeah. <laughs> but those things are are sweet but totally i like that. get the appeal of man some of these new sweet electric vehicles and i just want to say one thing it's not just electric cars are not just cars right Nasima, like tell everybody no. why why driving a tesla feels so different it's a totally different experience like you are in like advanced machine it's not just a car like people mm-hmm. don't get it until they drive it like it's it's totally different maneuvering it's everything is different you don't turn it on you just get in it's ready to go and I, the best thing right now is that you don't have to pay for gas and i'm like I, oh, no face especially you're in california you are oh coming out gosh. you're making out like a bandit with the, oh yeah, yeah it's the like electric car. six dollars a gallon right now oh my gosh I, yeah i cannot imagine yeah it's like uh i feel like yeah, Teslas, EVs, especially some of those nicer ones like that. It's sort of like what we expected, you know, like on your phone. Obviously, phones are awesome, right? But like you switch <laughs> to airplane mode, but like it doesn't do what you think it does. Like when it says airplane mode, all it does is just like turn your phone off. <laughs> right. So I feel like Teslas, that's kind of like what we expected in the future. As we're looking forward into 2022, it's like, okay, what are cars going to be like? Like that's what we expected cars to be like. And then the thing is, it constantly updates. So it's always changing. Just like, like it's my not phone. like a standard. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Just Automatic. like our over, over the Wi Fi. It's crazy. Oh over Wi Fi. So you, you get in your car in the morning, it's all charged up, and you're like, oh, look at these new updates I have. It's great. Oh my gosh! You got it. We slowly roll, Joel. I see you over there, <laughs> thinking about how you're going to spend your money that you don't have yet on a truck that doesn't exist yet. But uh, all right, uh, let's see. If, uh, let's let's talk. Let's just dive right into your story because you ended up with close to a million dollars in debt. That's a number most of us can barely fathom. And so, yeah, how in the world? Did you end up in that position? And, and specifically, too, you got to share what kind of debt we're, we're talking about here. But uh, yeah, can you share your story with us? You know what? Every time I share this story, people are like, what? Like, really? Okay, so I live in the San Francisco Bay Area. So let's start there. So a huge part of that debt was my house that I paid off towards the end of my journey. Mm-hmm. Um, it was $200,000 in student loans. And then just like normal debt, you know, the things that we acquire because we're supposed to. It was a car. It was um, a loan against my 403B to put a down payment on my house. Um, it was just little things. It was debt from um, my ex-husband. Just you know, normal lifestyle inflation. So it wasn't like I was like out here just being irresponsible. I was doing everything I was supposed to do by the house, went to the good schools, bought the house, all those things. So I wasn't living outside of what was expected of me. So, so that's so, how I acquired so it. What made you kind of come to the realization that, well, wait a second, um, like, it, you know, you said you're living this kind of normal lifestyle. Like, other people around you doing the same things. This is, it didn't feel out of the ordinary. What made you kind of come to grips and say like, whoa, 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 whoa. I'm in over my head. This is too much. I have to do something about this. Was there like a specific turning point that led you to kind of have a completely different view of your debt? 
Definitely. I found myself being a single mom. I had just bought this big old house in pregnancy psychosis. Like I just needed a big five bedroom, five and a half bath house for me and my daughter because security and um, everything had closed and things had kind of settled down. Like I just spent money on I, it was a brand new house. So I had to buy blinds and get the backyard landscaped and all those things. People and, think it's just the mortgage. It's all the other stuff that comes with it, right? <laughs> yeah, it's all of that stuff. And I realized I had no no money. I had no savings. As a matter of fact, I actually had to borrow money from my sister to pay for the blinds. So I was kind of at a low point. Like if something were to happen to me, what was going to happen to this little girl? Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay, I'm not worried. Like <laughs> I usually like work two jobs, go to school full time. And I was like, finally, I have some time. I need to figure out my money. And I figured I didn't have any money because I didn't know how to invest. And then I started to take a look at my finances and I was like, hmm, maybe it's like this $1,900 a month I'm paying towards my student loans. Like maybe it's all these things that I'm paying for and I don't really know where my money is going. And so initially, um, I just set off on this quest to learn how to invest. And then I realized like, hey, I need to probably tackle this debt, which led me to the debt free community, which led me to Dave Ramsey. And so um, I started kind of following his methodology and did zero based budgeting and the debt snowball. And like just really, in all honesty, I didn't work more or anything like I didn't like create this big gap between my um, spending and my um and my earnings. It was just that I just got really intentional about how I spent every single one of my dollars. And month after month, I was able to put thousands of dollars towards my debt just because of paying attention. And that led me to be able to pay off nearly a million dollars in debt in under three years. You know, so what stood out to me there is you're talking about just your student loans alone, right? Like you're talking about close to a $2,000 payment every single month. Were mm-hmm. you stressed at all about the amount of debt that you had on? Or or was it just not until you actually had your baby and you're sitting there and you're kind of thinking through your life situation, what you've got going on? Like, what was the tipping point? Was it you realizing that you were running out of money or was it the change in life stage that you were realizing? It What it was, was um, it was having her and then um, just having a sense of ha- wanting to be more responsible. But I, you know what? I didn't trip off the amount of debt I had. I didn't ever even thought about debt like that because all the debt that I was acquiring was good debt according to how mm-hmm. I was raised. Yeah, student so loans I never and a mortgage, even, right? Yeah, I never even thought about it like that. It wasn't until I really started exploring. But at that point, at that period where I was at, I just knew I was broke and I made too much money to be broke. At that point, I was Mm -hmm. working two jobs as a nurse. So in the Bay Area, I was making like over $200,000 and I did not have anything in my savings, like nothing. Like it just didn't make sense. And so I had to make it make sense for me. Like we got to do better. So that's where I was at at that point. So I'm curious to know kind of how you view debt now because you've got this Tesla now. I guarantee you, after what you've been through, you don't have a payment on that Tesla. Am I right? I actually do have a payment oh, on that okay. Tesla. Yeah. And only because it's at one percent. So I was gotcha. I did okay. not buy the Tesla until um I had enough money in the bank to pay for it cash. Okay. See, but, that's a wise use of debt as opposed to <laughs> so I was I was curious to know yes. kind of your overall take on debt now because yeah, you mentioned so I, don't think, I took on I don't, some of these things because they were good debt, but now how do you feel about debt in general? I think 
I needed to have an awareness of what my own definition of good debt was. And mm-hmm. I didn't. Mm-hmm. I was just taking on other people's standards of what good debt was. And so to me, using debt to your advantage is if you have debt under 3% and you're still making sure that you're maxing out all of your other investments, you're not having debt in lieu of, you know, these other things that you need to do for yourself. And so for me, it made sense to, instead of pay cash for this Tesla, to invest that money. So that money got invested in a brokerage account for me into funding, um, maxing my, um, or super funding my daughter's um, college fund and all those things which have um, paid double digit returns over the Mm -hmm. last couple of years since I've gotten that car. And like I said, I have like a 1.5% interest rate on my Tesla. And so that's a pretty um, good rate. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Matt and I talk about that too, because some people like if you boil it down to like, just saying debt is dumb. There's a lot of nuance when it comes to debt that we take on. There's some debt that's that's pushing us towards a better future uh, of a higher income and uh, some debt that gives us a place, uh, a roof over our heads. And there's some debt too, like similar to you. I had a Nissan Leaf for a bunch of years. I sold recently when we became a one car family. I took out a loan on that because it was a 0% interest rate offering. and it's even better than one and a half percent. That was years ago when interest rates were like ridiculously low and they're still low. But it's one of those things where yeah, okay, do I have the cash on hand? Do I want to use it when you're going to let me pay it with no, you know, no penalty over the next 6 years? I'll I'll take that. I'll take the free money any day. And I want to just not ignore the fact that a lot of times, especially for my community, we're told not to take on debt, but debt is what has built like the middle class and has made a lot of families wealthy and has created like a lot of the wealth divide in the community. And so I don't take that lightly that, you know, having access to low interest debt has been like something that has been used as a wealth building tool historically. Um, And it hasn't been available for everybody. And so now that, you know, a lot of financial tools are more readily accessible, I think that we should be taking advantage of them. That's absolutely true. Uh, So, okay, you mentioned here, like you were holding down two jobs, you you know, you're able to knock out this debt in less than three years, even still, like that's insane, right? Like this is almost, <laughs> it sounds nearly impossible. And so like, can you give us a rundown of all the different things in your life that you changed? Like you said that, like, it didn't sound like you'd made some massive change in your spending per se, like where you made this gulf, like where there, there's this massive gap between your earning and your spending. And so like, what did you actually do? Like, how were you able to climb your way out of that much debt? That it was really interesting. It's because I just didn't know how I was spending my money. And so, you know, I would spend some money here at Target, spend some money on my kids shopping, you know, things like that. And I I just didn't know where my money was going. But the crazy part about it is, is that when I really started sitting down and planning out every single one of my dollars, I actually like enjoyed what I was spending my money on. And so I like made sure that I incorporated things like Disney trips for my daughter, because that was super important for us. And we live in Northern California. So we had to fly that flight hotel, Disney tickets was, which ain't cheap, but I was able to incorporate that in our budget, but just because I was being intentional. So it's not like I just was like on beans and rice and I love beans and rice, but I'm not about to live off of beans and rice. I don't believe in deprivation. I believe in spending on things that spark joy. But the the shift was literally that I just planned where my money was going because 
if you don't pay attention to where your money goes, it's just going to disappear. You're not going to know where it goes. And so having that control was like a a lightning bolt moment. Like, Mm -hmm. oh my God, like, this is crazy. Like, I can tell my money where to go. Like I can make my money work for me. And it doesn't have to be about, you know, waiting until I get to a certain place or make a certain amount of money. It was where I was at right now and taking that control back. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it sounds like you did create a gap. Like it wasn't something that was, it was drastic, right? Like it wasn't some severe, like you're saying, it wasn't, you know, you cutting back in serious ways. You were still able to prize in the things that you valued, the things that meant the most to you. But it sounds like over time by, just like your site says, financially intentional, like by being intentional, you were able to increase the, that, that difference between what you were earning and what you were spending. And, you know, all of those little expenses do add up Mm -hmm. and there's like, you've got to find that money somewhere. (laughs) So, right. And so because yes. a million dollars debt, people are going to hear that and they're going to be like, oh, my God, you, you like, have how? to do. Yeah. There's got to be a difference there between <laughs> In two and a half years, <laughs> your expenses versus yeah. what you're making. And so what I'm hearing you say, though, is that you did create, a, you know, a, a significant gap between what you're spending and, and what you used to spend, at least. Uh, and then you're just funneling those additional dollars towards your debt. Is, is that basically how it went down? That's how it went down. And then, okay. like, I, I want to clarify when it, I say a million dollars. So. I sold my house, right? So I always want to tell people, like, I did sell my house. Like, that was, like, the big caveat. But people were like, oh, uh, whoop-de-doo, you just sold your house and paid off all your debt. That's not what happened. I got to a point where I was almost debt-free, like $20,000 away from being debt-free. In this process, this whole process from the beginning, got married, was in an abusive marriage, got a divorce. Then during the divorce settlement, um, both had to pay my ex-husband. And then because I had to file marriage filing separate I got a $30,000 tax bill so on top Mm -hmm. of the debt that I had already paid off um, so now instead of owing $20,000 I owe closer to $60,000 and so that was the end of my debt journey and because of the trauma associated with my house that's why I decided to sell my house and therefore made it a million but it was only that $55,000 of debt left mm-hmm. when I um, decided to pay my house off and so I just want to clear that, clear that up because <laughs> a lot of people are just like oh right. my god you just sold your house you live in California like whatever no it wasn't that it was a journey <laughs> and it yes. was that last yeah. step that a- allowed me to be financially free Gotcha. Yeah. Well it, it yeah and that sounds sounds like you had setbacks along the way too cuz that's a <laughs> that's a really Really hard thing. Well, one, to be in an abusive relationship, like, and then to get out of it, right? But then to, uh, then then on top of that, you're like, I'm getting close to paying off my debt. And then boom, $30,000 tax bill. How did you like mentally handle that? Because that is, um, yeah, I can't imagine kind of being so close, so much closer to your goal, making all that progress. And then there's a wrench thrown in your plans. Literally, my goal was to be debt free by 36. My divorce hearing was on in May where my 36th birthday was supposed to hit. You know, I had just paid that IRS bill like, you know, the month before in April. Um, But when that when I got that $30,000 IRS bill, I actually felt empowered because I had been on this journey. And for the first time, I knew what to do. First of all, I don't play with the IRS. And I was just <laughs> like, okay, like I obviously don't have the cash because I've been throwing all this extra cash towards, you know, my loans. And my tax preparer was like, you're going to have to pay a thousand dollar a month penalty on top of this if you do a tax plan with the IRS. So I did not want to do that. And so I went to my credit union who I had a great relationship with. And I was like, what is the lowest cost? debt basically I can take on to pay the IRS off in one lump sum 
And so they gave me like a two, my car was paid off. They gave me like a two or 3% loan on my car. I sent the IRS a check and then I just put that in my debt payoff plan. And I felt Mm -hmm. extremely empowered Oh, you yeah. know, even though I had to pay that, which was stupid. But no. No, Nasina's in charge here. Yeah. Like, yeah, you're not yeah. making payments to the IRS. You're making payments to the local credit union. What yes. you have a great relationship with who yes. wants your business and who yes. you are part owner in because you got that five bucks. That's right. Or exactly. whatever it is sitting there in that savings <laughs> account. That's just another reason to have a relationship with with a, with a credit union. That's something yeah. we advise oh everyone. God. Yeah, yes, find, find a credit union, join up, and like you might not use them for everything. You might have a savings account elsewhere, but like you want to have a credit union relationship. And now my credit union is right across the street. Like I literally go there. Like if ever I was tending anything, and sometimes I just even check in with them. I'm just like, hey, what are the rates looking like right now? Like if I wanted to do X, Y, and Z with this, like you know, and I have that relationship. They know my name, they know my face, right. like, and so they'll work with me, and they'll even give me. Um, back in deals that they don't even publish like for example with my tesla it's through my credit union and i was like you know tesla is offering this interest rate and they did not offer that interest rate and they matched the interest rate and it was actually less yeah so it's those kind of relationships that are super important so yes i encourage everybody to go to a credit union i don't really mess with those big banks and you know who you are (laughs) oh no oh yeah yeah. (laughs) we we, we (laughs) talk enough trash about them uh, on our well, I, I well. gotta say too that uh, I just wish my credit union would host like a happy hour. I'd go hang out and have drinks. Yeah, and just, and chill, chill you know what? That's a beats. good idea because people don't go in banks anymore. I go in That's there right. and I'm like, so like, who's who comes in here? They're just like people <laughs> like you and Asima just you know just come <laughs> in to talk. I'm just like, well. You know, it's fun to me. That's awesome. Awesome. Well, Nassim, we've got a few more questions we want to get to with you, mm-hmm. including we want to talk more about nursing because it's such an interesting career path uh, that is open to so many people and it's very lucrative right now. And we'll get to that after this break. When it comes to financial advice, you got to trust the source. That's why you listen to this podcast. And if you're looking to upgrade your wallet, you need to turn to NerdWallet. Their expert team of nerds dives into the details to help you find smarter financial products. If you're paying for vacations with whatever card is in your wallet, you could be missing out on miles you didn't even know you were leaving on the table. You can get a new card with more miles and more upgrades. What could future you do with more travel rewards? A hotel upgrade, lounge access... Wherever you go next, make it happen with a smarter travel credit card. Don't wait to make smart financial decisions. Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. As with all cards, credit is subject to lender approval and terms apply. NerdWallet. Finance smarter. Kachava is the all-in-one superfood shake made up of high-quality plant-based nutrients. It's got greens, superfruits, plant proteins, antioxidants, adaptogens, probiotics, and in other words, everything your body craves to feel your best. This is where Kachava really earns their 52,000 plus five-star reviews. It tastes amazing. It's creamy and smooth with just water, and it comes in five delicious flavors. You can choose from chocolate, vanilla, chai, matcha, and coconut acai. Kachava is offering How to Money listeners 10% off for a limited time. I've been using Kachava in breakfast smoothies in the morning recently. It's just so nice to pack in a bunch of nutrients early in the a.m. in a way that's satisfying and energizing. So if you want to optimize your breakfast, your workout shake, be sure to check out Kachava. Just go to Kachava dot com slash how to money that's spelled k-a-c-h-a-v-a and get 10 percent off your first order that's k-a-c-h-a-v-a dot com slash how to money 
I'm guessing that a lot of listeners are starting to solidify their summer travel plans. We always like to get the families together, Matt, for a week yeah, at the we beach do. every single summer. We've already got that trip to St. Simons on the calendar. Pumped for that. But sometimes those vacations get expensive. So what better way to offset some of those costs than to have your home earning some money while you're away? That's right. Why let it sit empty when it could be earning extra income? It's the financially smart thing to do. So think it through. Maybe you've got some extra space in your home, or maybe you have an entire house to host. Or maybe you're just going on vacation and your home is sitting empty. In every case, you can Airbnb it. You already have the space, so it won't be a huge adjustment. I mean, the way I see it, if you're not using your space, you have two options. You can let it just sit there empty, or you do some optimizing and make some money off it. Really, if you think about it, you already have an Airbnb. You just need to start using it. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at Airbnb.com slash host. If you're listening to this podcast right now and you're a small business owner, listen up. Upswell Marketing would like to remind you that when customers choose your small business, they're actually choosing you. So focus on super serving your existing customers and let Upswell handle the pipeline generation of new leads and customers. They do everything from hyper-targeting best fit prospects through campaign optimization. Upswell Marketing's unique approach includes direct mail, search engine marketing, and social media ads, and has fueled more than 10,000 small business success stories. Upswell specializes in developing customized direct response campaigns and is now offering a no-obligation free assessment of your current marketing strategies. Not to mention, new customers also receive 15% off their first order when they mention that they heard about Upswell on this podcast. For more information, visit upswellmarketing.com. That's upswellmarketing.com. All right, we're back from the break talking with Nassim McElroy about paying off a million dollars. And, you know, Nassim, we, we kind of just talked through your story. And like Joel said, we're going to talk more about career moves and earning more money. Uh, but a little, you know, one other kind of point here on your story, like you confessed, like you, you didn't go through this process perfectly, right? Like when it comes to like paying off all your all your, your debt and your loans. And you've said that you F some stuff up along the way. <laughs> uh, you missed out on... Direct quote from Nassima. <laughs> from you. Uh, you did miss out on a good amount of money and tax breaks and, and loan forgiveness, uh, but you still freaking did it. Like you still paid off all of your loans. And so I wanted to highlight this because I think there's a lesson here. Like what do you think other folks could potentially learn from hearing that you didn't necessarily do things perfectly? I think the whole like message behind this is just get started. Like you're going to mess up. You are going to mess up, but just get started. Like I messed up royally, but still like my story is still clickbait. Like, come on, you guys, (laughs) seriously, just get started right where you are right now. Stop Mm -hmm. waiting until you make more. Stop waiting until you get your tax return. Stop waiting. Start today. Yeah, yeah, it's that it's that analysis paralysis that yes. I think, especially if I can't like, choose the perfect route, then I won't even begin. Yes, you know? and like this, I swear, the smarter my friends, the worse decisions that it that they make <laughs> when it comes to just them take like dragging their feet and taking their time with stuff. And I'm just like, dude, just pull the trigger. Yeah. It's like, like trigonometry, man. You know, <laughs> exactly, yeah, definitely. And I just want to highlight like the that biggest mistake was not investing while I was paying off debt. Okay, mm. like don't do that, please don't don't be like me. And I wouldn't have had to pay the IRS if I had been investing and maxing out my investments like I could have. And mm. that cost me $80,000 just in just in um, retirement savings that I could have had. And that's like not including interest. So yeah. 
It's, it's like you can walk and chew gum at the same time. That's what Definitely. that's what doing both of those is, right? Definitely. Uh, let's talk about careers because, yeah, there have been a lot of stories <laughs> recently written about how much money nurses can make these days. And like I, I think I told you before we started recording, my mom's a nurse. She recently got like a, a really lucrative, lucrative offer just to stick around for one more year. It's like, hey, sign this contract saying that you won't leave and we'll pay you a lump sum. And like, so, how, how about five figures? How's that sound? <laughs> right, yeah. And so nurses are like, okay, great. There's there's money all over the place being thrown out for nurses. But but how do you talk to others if they're considering pursuing a career in nursing or or even if they're not? Are you ever trying to like push people into <laughs> that line of work? Like, How do you think about Always. it? Always. And nursing is a second career for me, so I get it. I think nursing is a cheat code to financial independence. I mean- Ooh. We can make as much money as we want, or we can work as little or as much as we want. It's a perfect career for many retirements. Um, It's a perfect career for just like grinding it out for 10 years and never having to work again. You it's like a build your own adventure and nursing is you can do nursing in in so many different capacities. I'm yeah. a nurse right now. I still I'm still a labor and delivery nurse, but I also work for a bank, you know, building their community because it's a bank for nurses. Like who would have thought like nurses can do everything. So yeah. if I wanted to be completely remote and just work on an island for this bank, I could and be making a very good living just chilling and making TikToks all day because that's pretty much what I do. <laughs> <laughs> it's everybody's dream. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Uh, well specifically, you know, like over the past couple of years, like we've heard stories about like the high demand for travel nurses right yes. so first of all can you share with listeners like what that's all about and and then maybe after that like who do you think should consider being a, a travel nurse so yeah travel nursing has kind of changed the game and travel nursing has been around forever but because of this crisis rates like um, travel nurse pay has kind of been in the news in the media a lot so travel nurses can make ten twelve thousand dollars a week in certain contracts but Ooh. you have to understand um, what you're getting into because these travel nurses are thrown into um, hospitals and situations which can potentially be dangerous, fatal. Like there's a lot of risk that is involved with that, especially if you're not experienced. And so I've, I've not really been a travel nurse. I'm mostly a staff nurse. And um, a lot of the salaries that travel nurses are making, fortunately, I make that as a staff nurse in the San Francisco oh, Bay wow. Area. And this is like the only place in the world where um, the rates are so high just for staff. That's because it costs yeah. you an arm and a leg to live there, right? That's just partial. Yeah, I mean, it's all relative, right? It's all relative. But, you know, there's ways to uh, make sure that you're not living above your means and like spending all your money. But um, that's why the, uh, the a Tesla, it feels like driving a Honda Accord out in like, the Bay Area I mean, because it's <laughs> relative to us here. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, it is expensive. a Honda Accord. Like, if you're in the Bay Area, everybody has a Tesla. Yeah, like, it's, seriously. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> but um, yeah, travel nurses, travel nursing is super lucrative but you see a lot of lure to get into traveling especially before people are ready and so what people need to know about travel nursing is it's not something that you should just jump into it's something that you should be um, you should definitely be a competent and proficient nurse before you do it because what happens is you get on these assignments you have little to no orientation they put you on a floor in a hospital like you understand people don't understand what nurses do right we have to we have a whole lot of supplies that we use Um, we have to know where things are like the crash card if somebody is coding like we have to know how to get to those things and so imagine you being dumped into this environment and five minutes later your patient is coding you have to know 
how to find a crash cart, where the supplies are, how to intubate this person. Like, it's just not simple as like, oh, I know how to be a nurse. It's like how to be a nurse in these kind of situations. And so um, competence is super key before people travel. And I mean, you, you, you have to get used to different being around different people, around different cultures. A lot of travel nurses are not dumped bad. on in hospitals. A lot of travel nurses are um, being required to take um, higher patient loads. I know like for union hospitals that I work with if there's a travel nurse on the floor they're typically going to get the hardest assignment because Mm. you know they're like outsiders and we pay them more supposedly and I'm doing air quotes Um, and so there's a (laughs) lot of things that you need to be able to have to deal with to be a travel nurse but they work for their money yeah (laughs) I was gonna say they're earning that paycheck right yes definitely my my mother-in-law was a travel nurse actually down in St. Thomas for Mm, about a year now that's a sweet gig it was I mean we went down to visit her once and it was awesome and I think she had a great experience but there was definitely some some shock. It, the things are done completely differently, and the uh, there was back in the hospital that she came from. There were more people to share the load. There was more of like burden placed on the individual nurse at the you know where she ended up. And so yeah, it can be a different ball game. And I know she came home more tired <laughs> from her days as a travel nurse in St. Thomas than she did you know at the the hospital where where she worked in Mississippi. Like it was just it was a big difference in kind of quality of life and how she felt and. You know, yeah, you get to live in paradise, but it comes at a cost at the same time. But I I also want to mention that there's alternatives to travel nursing. Like I know a lot of nurses that live in Canada that work with me. They live in Canada. They live in Atlanta. They live in Florida. And they're actually staff nurses in California. So it's geo arbitrage. So they live in lower cost of uh, living places. And then they come here, they get per diem jobs, but they're staff, meaning that you have access to your retirement account. And like, say, for example, if my salary is uh, $90 an hour. There's is going to be $110, $120 an hour. Ooh. And um, yeah, they only have to give four shifts a month. You cater how you want to. You can work more, just not less. And then you kind of just come, a lot of people just come in and out every couple of weeks or once a month, slam out like six shifts and then they're done. Okay, yeah, that's, that's, gonna, that's what, what so I was going to ask. Alternative. Are they yeah. able to kind of stack those shifts back to back essentially? Yeah. And, yeah. and so you've got to thousand mile commute you're hopping on the plane but if i guess if you're working all those shifts back to back it's not that big of a deal for a solid week and out yeah Mm -hmm. so is is that basically how it works yep that's how it works just come in and out a lot of people like i have a room i always rent out a room because i always love to minimize my housing costs i always have a room in my house for a nurse to come in and out yeah so you just find somewhere cheap to crash you know and you come in and do your shifts and you're out well, actually, tell us about that. Why don't you tell us about renting out a room and how that works for your lifestyle, too? Because that is, is house hacking. Is that kind of a part of your income game? Is that part of um, you, you have multiple streams of income now? And was that was that kind of part of wanting to be financially intentional was just literally having money coming in from a bunch of different sources every single month? Well, it was more or less like trying to decrease how much I spend on things um, because I am in the Bay Area. Like you said, it's all it's all relative, right? Right. And so my housing cost is going to be my biggest expense. So mm-hmm. how do you decrease your housing cost? You have to be very creative. And for me, I always have a place, even when I'm renting, um, I always have a place where I can 
reduce my how much I have to pay towards my mortgage or towards my living expenses by having someone else absorb some of those costs. And so that's always a part of my plan. And also like your second um, highest cost is going to be your transportation. So it was a point where my family wanted to get a second car and we're like, well, how can we do this economically? How can we justify this cost? And so we got a Toyota Highlander and a seven seater because we needed the extra space because we like to travel down the coast with my family. And we were just like, okay, like when we're not using it, we're going to list it on Toro. And that actually paid for the car. And so those are things that, you know, instead of increasing our expenses, we look for creative ways to decrease them. And it's not about like, it's about like having the lifestyle that you want to live, but not buying into that lifestyle inflation. It's like having your cake and eating eating it too, (laughs) right? And it it just like, um, I remember my my former boss was selling his old Tesla, speaking of Teslas, and I considered buying it and my wife was like, I don't know. And I was like, we can rent it out on Toro when we're not using it. Oh, you would crush. We ended up out of not doing it and I'm so (laughs) bummed, especially right now that we didn't do that because I'm like, oh, Oh my God. Yeah, Yeah, that would have been a great deal, but Teslas uh, hold their value. So actually I did have a Tesla on Toro that got... uh, um, totaled unfortunately and oh. I actually got $12,000 on top of it being paid for every month I got paid $12,000 so that worked out with the <laughs> so I mean obviously that was covered with through uh, Turo's insurance mm-hmm. uh, how, how did, did I mean, was that smooth like like were there a lot of hiccups uh, when oh you yeah had to file that? it was it was a headache a oh, okay <laughs> either way something you don't wish I, it to either happen. way yeah you okay. don't wish it to happen you don't want it to happen but either way but i did out. come up come out on top i definitely okay. did yes so i mean what i love about what you're saying here about these ways that you're just decreasing your expenses is that it doesn't necessarily mean that you are you know working another shift uh, or, you know, or like working another job or something like that where all of a sudden your kids can't see you. You're just finding ways to optimize what you have, like Joel said, having your cake and eat, you know eating it too. That makes me think about like side hustles because like I feel like like just the general hustle culture, it was popular for a bit, but you know, I think that like now it feels like it kind of gets demonized a bit. I think that hustles, that like they pay off, but there's also the reality that you can just go too hard uh, mm-hmm. when it comes to some of those things. So like, like I'm curious to hear your philosophy on that. You know, I I like hustles. I think hustles should be seasonal and they shouldn't take over your life. I think that they should have a specific goal. A lot of people get hustles and then they just inflate their lifestyle to the money, the extra money that they're making. So as long as it's seasonal and it has a reason for me, like the quickest way you can make more money, like you said, pick up another shift, stay overtime. Like I don't want to take on necessarily an extra job. Now you're talking to a nurse that does have two jobs, but, <laughs> but, I'm, but I make it work for me and it doesn't decrease right. the time that I spend with my family as a single mom with two girls. Like it's super important that I have that time with them, especially while they're so young so that's something that i don't want to sacrifice yeah i appreciate that and i think that's actually really good advice seasonal with a specific goal because i think we can get in that perpetual trading time for money and that is at some point a losing game and you can't yeah. do it forever that's for sure um, we, we've got more questions to get to with you nasima including you mentioned the bank that you work for the bank that you kind of helped start we want to talk about that and more right after this
When it comes to financial advice, you got to trust the source. That's why you listen to this podcast. And if you're looking to upgrade your wallet, you need to turn to NerdWallet. Their expert team of nerds dives into the details to help you find smarter financial products. If you're paying for vacations with whatever card is in your wallet, you could be missing out on miles you didn't even know you were leaving on the table. You can get a new card with more miles and more upgrades. What could future you do with more travel rewards? A hotel upgrade, lounge access... Wherever you go next, make it happen with a smarter travel credit card. Don't wait to make smart financial decisions. Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. As with all cards, credit is subject to lender approval and terms apply. NerdWallet. Finance smarter. Kachava is the all-in-one superfood shake made up of high-quality plant-based nutrients. It's got greens, superfruits, plant proteins, antioxidants, adaptogens, probiotics, and in other words, everything your body craves to feel your best. This is where Kachava really earns their 52,000 plus five-star reviews. It tastes amazing. It's creamy and smooth with just water, and it comes in five delicious flavors. You can choose from chocolate, vanilla, chai, matcha, and coconut acai. Kachava is offering How to Money listeners 10% off for a limited time. I've been using Kachava in breakfast smoothies in the morning recently. It's just so nice to pack in a bunch of nutrients early in the a.m. in a way that's satisfying and energizing. So if you want to optimize your breakfast, your workout shake, be sure to check out Kachava. Just go to Kachava dot com slash how to money that's spelled k-a-c-h-a-v-a and get 10 percent off your first order that's k-a-c-h-a-v-a dot com slash how to money i'm guessing that a lot of listeners are starting to solidify their summer travel plans we always like to get the families together matt for a week yeah, at the we beach do. every single summer we've already got that trip to saint simon's on the calendar pump for that but sometimes those vacations get expensive. So what better way to offset some of those costs than to have your home earning some money while you're away? That's right. Why let it sit empty when it could be earning extra income? It's the financially smart thing to do. So think it through. Maybe you've got some extra space in your home, or maybe you have an entire house to host, or maybe you're just going on vacation and your home is sitting empty. In every case, you can Airbnb it. You already have the space, so it won't be a huge adjustment. I mean, the way I see it, if you're not using your space, you have two options. You can let it just sit there empty, or you do some optimizing and make some money off it. Really, if you think about it, you already have an Airbnb. You just need to start using it. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at Airbnb.com slash host. If you're listening to this podcast right now and you're a small business owner, listen up. Upswell Marketing would like to remind you that when customers choose your small business, they're actually choosing you. So focus on super serving your existing customers and let Upswell handle the pipeline generation of new leads and customers. They do everything from hyper-targeting best fit prospects through campaign optimization. Upswell Marketing's unique approach includes direct mail, search engine marketing, and social media ads, and has fueled more than 10,000 small business success stories. Upswell specializes in developing customized direct response campaigns and is now offering a no-obligation free assessment of your current marketing strategies. Not to mention, new customers also receive 15% off their first order when they mention that they heard about Upswell on this podcast. For more information, visit upswellmarketing.com. That's upswellmarketing.com. 
All right, we are back talking with Nasima McElroy. And Nasima, you know, we've talked about some of the great decisions you've made over time, over the years. And, and one of the great things about where your life is now is that you have, you've got so much more autonomy over what your day-to-day looks like. You, like, you still work, you know, you, you touched on this, you still have got two jobs, but it looks vastly different than what it used to. You've got the number of days that you have to keep on the calendar to you know, maintain, I guess, your license or, or whatever the hospital requires there for you to be a staff nurse. And so the reason I mention this is because as folks begin to enter into some sort of financial freedom, like how would you recommend that they transition away from sort of like that hustle mentality? Because I think so oftentimes we can kind of get trapped into achievement and earning more money and you know, more, more, more. But at a certain point, like you've got to flip the switch a little bit and start to consider some of the the other things. How do you recommend for folks to to think about that? I think you have to really assess like what you really need and what's super important to you and what you're willing to sacrifice and what you aren't willing to sacrifice. And then it becomes uh, uh, like just about like what you get to do. So you kind of are able to shift into that like, you know what? I don't have to do these things. I'm doing them solely because I want to, because these are important to me. I mean, but there's, I mean, there's baby steps to get there. Like you can't just start off on your journey there. Um, You got to put in the work initially. But once you get to that point and it's ready to, it's time to shift, like just prioritize like what your goals are and really just start working towards like doing what you need to do to get to where your goal is. So for me, and my goal is kind of always, my goalpost is kind of always moving because I have little ones and, you know, I have other people involved in their lives. But um, it's really about what can I do right now to make sure that my kids are living their life, their best lives. I am saving for their future and I'm saving for myself so that in five years or less, I don't have to work if I don't want to. And mm. so like everything that I do, all the money decisions that I make surround that. And so it, it shifts into like, you know, just doing, you know, what you get to do. Yeah. It's very clear goals that you have. And yeah. those clear goals then define what your day-to-day looks like, yeah. <laughs> where yeah. you work, when you work, how you work. Yeah. Um, yeah. And kids certainly help to oh my provide gosh. some of that clarity as well. Like, <laughs> Definitely. Like there, there's <laughs> sacrifices you the make. There are decisions that you decide with you and your partner as you start to think through, like, what do I want for them? Like five years right. ago, I never would have made this decision. <laughs> but now I've got kids. And so it yeah. just, yeah, it changes everything. That's true. Well, I, I want to hear about you know your work with Loom, which mm-hmm. is a bank specifically built for nurses. Uh, I want to know kind of like, yeah, what precipitated that? And then what makes this bank different? And do you think that there is a need for a bank specifically designed for nurses? I found that just like so interesting that the bank is built for some people, for people in a specific profession. First of all, I was kind of pissed off initially when I heard about it because I was like, why didn't I think of this? And then I was like, (laughs) well, who gave these engineers this audacity to come up with this? Like, who thinks that they can just start a bank? I'm a financial nurse. (laughs) (laughs) That's me. Get out of my territory. (laughs) But it's wonderful. And nurses definitely need it. So just a little uh, background. like So, um, and these, these guys are genius. And I love working with them and they inspire me a lot to think differently and to kind of just open up my perspective on what's possible. But 
they started like a staffing company initially and then they noticed that a nurse staffing company and then they noticed that a lot of nurses were going to you know these non-traditional banks and then they were wondering like why and so they kind of did an internal needs assessment and saw that you know nursing is a profession of women we have a lot of minorities and we were getting underserved still to this day and we are historically underserved and nurses like I mean banks I'm sorry need to step up like their game like banks are super antiquated okay like so now you you see all these fintech banks coming out of nowhere like blowing these banks out of the water because like I feel like banks have this sense of entitlement like oh you know like you need us instead of the other way around like right. boo like you can't even operate if my money is not in here so what These are you doing These old school banks are like me? the jalopy and the new school ones oh. are like the Tesla you're driving. <laughs> exactly. It's a whole new experience. So like we have the information technology to make wealth building easy. Wealth building doesn't have to be hard and mm-hmm. with like smart things that we can build in okay you're a nurse. Nurse Nassima has her money direct deposited into this bank, okay? Now I know how much you're making, but it's also built on a platform like a glass door where we know all the salaries across the country. Hey, Nassima, we see you making $90 an hour. You know this hospital down the road is paying $110. We have all your information. Click this one button to apply. What kind of bank, what bank you know does that? No bank that I know of is trying to make me more money, right? Thank that sounds nice. you. Because if you make more money, guess what? More money in the deposits, right? Like more money in the I mean, savings account. I mean, come on. It's only a, it's a no brainer, but I, that's what I'm saying. Like these banks are so far behind. And so a, nur- a bank specifically for nurses, because we have some back end tools that are specific to nurses that can, you know, help them build wealth. Can anybody benefit from this bank? Yes. But we're working with nurses. Nurses is the nursing is the largest workforce. I mean, there's what, 4.3 million nurses in the United States. Like, why wouldn't we? tap into these people who like I said are women who only got access to banking services in the 60s are largely minorities who are traditionally and still underserved by banks like why wouldn't we provide a service for them to make them feel empowered and actually normalize wealth building for them that's so smart (laughs) I'm glad that some guys and then you as well have are are, are working towards you know spreading that good word and and letting folks know that that's out there for them so I'm thinking about the different ways that you pay off debt or achieve whatever financial goals you're trying to achieve we talked a lot about you know nursing specifically to increase your income uh, and just increasing the size of that gap Uh, we talked about reducing housing costs, uh, and, and even how you're able to kind of car hack a little bit. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you also talk about how easy it is, you know, that it can be to fall victim to lifestyle inflation. So how do you recommend for listeners out there to sort of fight that temptation to gradually just spend more and more of their money on lifestyle instead of taking that money and sticking it in whatever bank that they happen to be with? Or in their or investment In account. the market, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> to grow for, grow for their future. We don't yes. want to save, we want to invest. So I think a lot of that shift has to come with the people that you surround yourself with. And that's what happened to me. If you are around people like I lived in L.A., let me give a perfect example. In L.A. is so materialistic, like everybody wants to go to Beverly Hills and shop at Gucci and all that kind of stuff. So that's what I was surrounding myself with. So when I got paid, I was thinking about what purse I could buy. But now I shifted the people who I surround myself with, with people who retired in their 30s, Mm -hmm. people who, you know, 
have over a, a multiple million dollars in assets and don't work anymore. And that, that becomes my normal. So then it's easy for me to like put all my money in investments. Like, yeah, why wouldn't I put all my money in investments? Like what? It doesn't. All my other friends <laughs> are doing it. Yeah. Everybody <laughs> is doing it. I mean, like it's, so it's just that you have to change your circle of influence. It's not, I'm not saying get rid of all your friends, but social media is a powerful tool. And a lot of times we spend hours and hours scrolling through, you know, this mindless content. Why don't you just change your social media to reflect the people who you aspire to? And you'll mm. start to see that your habits will start to change as well. And that's what I encourage people to do. It's just like, yeah, we are taught in society to consume. We are in a capitalistic society. It's just how it goes down. So once you shift that for yourself, and you have to do it for yourself because nobody else is going to do it for you, then you'll start to normalize building wealth. Hmm. I like that. I like that. Yeah. And, and you can curate your social media feed, right? To get yes. information or That's to, you know, I like I've, I've, yeah, I found that like the podcast I listen to or the YouTube videos I watch, there's a bunch of mindless stuff that I just candy basically for my brain that I could be consuming or I can be getting smarter. I can, I can be getting better every time I listen to it. And, and those voices continuing to be in my ears, continue to, to be the things I watch. Like it makes a difference in who I'm becoming. And, yes. um, and so, yeah, it's, it's the people you follow digitally. It's also, I, you know, I think having literally doing this podcast with my best friend, the fact yeah. that like, you know, we share so many things in common and we spur each other on. Like if it wasn't, if we didn't have each other, like where would we be? Like we would not be, uh, have as taken as many steps in the direction of financial independence. I'm pretty sure Joel would be in prison. Yeah. Like, let's, let's be honest. But honestly, like all those Maybe. people that I used to follow on social media, they're my actual friends. Like we actually yeah. like hang out. Like that is now That's my cool. true circle. So yeah. That. Yeah. Well, Nasima, because of your intentionality, you've created just an abundance of choices for yourself in the future. So I'm curious, like what are the next goals that you have? Like what are you wanting to achieve? Because I'm pretty sure Nasima five years from now is going to be just in like an amazing place. Like you're already are, but like, I can't imagine where you're going to be in five years. Like, where do you see yourself? Oh my God. In five years, I want to be retired. I want to be traveling the world with my girls. I want to do world schooling nice. with them. Um, but I also want to create a curriculum around um, like the diaspora and how African-American our black people have been distributed around the world and have affected, affected the culture and the mm -hmm. food. But to create a curriculum mm -hmm. that's taught um, and that can be purchased because we aren't taught this. We aren't taught a lot about our history. A lot of people don't know. A lot of black people don't know about their history because it's selectively been kept out of our textbooks. So my goal is to do that. Um, but it, it, it's kind of a selfish goal because it's really just for my kids. But um, I also just don't want to keep it to them. Like I want like the world to know these things. So um, yeah, that's what I really want to do. Like that's like my dreams. Like it hmm. morphed from me just like wanting to be an Anthony Boy ordain and just like eat because I love to eat like all around the world to like how can I include my kids and how can I include some curriculum and some lessons around it so that I can ensure that they're learning and so that that's what I want to do it's like kind of cool. different from what I'm doing right now but like not because it's educational yeah. <laughs> I love yeah. it I love that yeah. Yeah, I, we, we've talked some about world schooling and we, we need to get some folks on who, who do that I think that well haven't we, we didn't doesn't Vincent Puglisi doesn't he do some he, world he schooling he travels around the country I don't I don't think he's not he like the world okay. yeah he's not international as as much but uh but that's definitely something I don't know I feel like that's especially 
I mean, folks are traveling again, yeah. right? Like yeah. it's, it's back on our radars and it's something that I think folks are <laughs> definitely chomping Hungry out the bit to get out there. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but that is super cool. Nassimi, we, we wish you the best. And yeah. you got to think if you, like, you're not the only one who is wanting something That's like right. that. Right. And so if, when you can identify a problem and find a, and then you're able to provide a creative solution. That is something that, that folks will pay for. J- just and generally speaking, your story, it's so inspirational. We, we really appreciate you joining us today. Uh, where, can, where can our listeners find more about you? So I'm at most places financially intentional except for Twitter because they're a hater and I'm financial <laughs> intent. <laughs> and then if you want to see all my fun tickety talks, you head over to Loom Bank on TikTok where I'm just pretty hilarious. So, yeah. <laughs> And that awesome. is spelled L-U-M-E. We'll link to it in our That's show right. notes as well. But Nasima, this has been just such a delightful conversation. We just um, thank you for taking the time. We really appreciate you joining us today. I really appreciate it. I had a blast with you guys. Thank you so much for having me. What a fun conversation, man. Can you think of an interview that we've had recently that was as fun as that one that we just had with Nassim? Man, I, you know, I don't know. Well, like the last one we had was Shannon, who was super funny. But She was a lot of fun, actually. Yeah, yeah. and <laughs> that's, you know, also unexpected coming from a CPA. But uh, yeah, we try to choose our guests very carefully. Um, we we do a lot of work. Like, we, we, I mean, Matt, how many pitch emails come across our our uh, our Gmail inbox every single day. We get a few. And what percentage of them get deleted? Something in the something like 100. 98, 99% <laughs> range. These are people that we seek out yes. because they have yep. an interesting story, because they are incredible people. And yeah, Nasima is one of those <laughs> that we saw mm-hmm. and we're like, she's doing awesome stuff. We have to bring her on. Yep. She has to tell her story to the How to Money audience. We wanted to and, hear it firsthand. And she did a great job. And she's compelling. She's smart. She's yeah, she's dude. funny. She's down to earth. And I just appreciate every second of that interview for sure. Absolutely. So you ready for my, my big takeaway? Yeah, bring it, please. Yeah, start, lead us so off. she said a bunch of stuff that really stuck out to me, but specifically when she was talking about side hustles, she said to make sure that these are seasonal. She wanted to make sure that if you do have a side hustle, if you do have multiple ways that you are earning money to not let that take over your life, like you need to make sure that it has a purpose. Uh, and oftentimes that can be something as simple as paying off a set amount of debt that could be saving up a certain amount of money for a down payment. But basically she was pointing to the fact that this does not need to become a way of life. And I think that is such a good framework for thinking about side hustles. You do want to deploy that as a practice, as a tool in your arsenal, but it's not necessarily something that we would say that you should be doing long term. In perpetuity. No, like that's no way necessarily to live your life. Obviously, some folks, it just depends on your situation. Like, how much debt are you talking about? How much do you love your side hustle knitting business? Is it like, it's like truly a labor of love? Who knew that cat scarves could could make so much money on Etsy? Kitten mittens, as they (laughs) would say, and it's sunny, always sunny in Philadelphia. Uh, But but bottom line, I just, I, I do really like that perspective. It just brings side hustles. It puts side hustles in the right context. Uh, It gives it the right perspective. Because like we can see almost with anything in our life, when things are out of context, it doesn't matter how good the thing is, if it's out of context, if it's not the right situation, it could be a bad thing for you. And in this case, bad for your finances. But uh, yeah, what was your big takeaway? Okay. So I think my big takeaway was use debt effectively. And, you know, we, (laughs) Nasima ran the gamut in her Mm -hmm. debt journey. And it would be easy for someone who had basically a million dollars in debt at one point, including her mortgage, right? So that's important to point out. But it would be easy for someone who had that experience to be like, 
debt is dumb. I'm writing it off. I'm never doing it again. And and we know people in that camp mm-hmm. who say like, I buy houses in cash and rental properties in cash. And it's, you know, we, we don't like hate on anybody that views things differently than us. It's it's totally fine. We, we know friends who paid off their mortgage early before investing. But one of Nasima's regrets was not investing while she was paying off debt. And I get that um, because, yeah, I think there is something to be said for the effective use of debt. Mm-hmm. And if someone is willing to give you free money or nearly free money to lend you money at a ridiculously low interest rate, if it allows you to achieve other goals that you have, other financial goals, not not going into debt to spend more, to increase your lifestyle. And that's why this is always a hard topic to discuss, right? It's hard to give blanket adv- good blanket advice mm-hmm. on this. But I do think that that is an important point, that debt can be used effectively. And actually, if used well in the right places, it can kind of boomerang you even even uh, faster towards some of those financial goals that you have. Again, like it's it's there's so much nuance we could get into, and maybe we should get into a whole episode very soon about the role that debt should play in your life and how to use it effectively, because it's tricky and there are a lot of pitfalls along the way. But um, yeah, it's interesting to hear Nasima's story and how debt ruined her, but now it's also a tool that she uses effectively. And I think that's a good way to think about it. Yeah, oftentimes debt involves a nuanced conversation. Uh, and that was, I think, what we were able to do today with Nasima. Let's go ahead quickly introduce the beer you and I enjoyed during this episode. This one is called, I don't even know how to say this. I'm going to give it a shot. <laughs> but it's Dos Vidania. This is a rye whiskey, barrel-aged Russian-style imperial stout, which is a mouthful. This is by Distille Brewery. We have never had a, uh, a beer by Distille here on the show. I am really pumped about anytime we're able to get a great, fantastic beer on the show by a brewery who we've never had on the show. Makes me really happy inside. Uh, there specifically, it says on the can, Normal, Illinois. Is that the, I guess that's the name of the town? The name of the town. I love that. <laughs> it's like the most generic. <laughs> maybe they're just normal people in Illinois. It's I don't know. Normal, Illinois. Maybe, I don't know. Yeah, maybe that's just a generic term. Maybe they're no, not I actually. I think that is actually the name of it. No, yeah, it says right here, like normal comma Illinois USA yeah, so right. I think I would love living in a, a, <laughs> a town called normal it feels so kind of Americana uh, but yeah what were your thoughts on this beer all right so I thought it was delicious the nice thing was it had some good spice notes from oh, the rye barrel that it, it was aged in it had such good flavors and it had kind of like the warming effect kind of like drinking um, a little glass of whiskey or something in the evening and so yeah I like that combo of beer I love whiskey and so anything that's aged in whiskey barrel barrels, especially, especially a good stout like this one, Mm -hmm. just kind of like hits on a bunch of notes for me. So yeah, this was definitely something I really enjoyed. Yep. I'm going to second everything you just said, dude. And I wanted to comment specifically too on, I don't know if we've ever had a, uh, a beer where the can was pitch black. And this can is like literally from the side, like it's got the label, but then the actual metal of the can, the top, the tab that you pop. Reflects the color of the beer. It's super black. It poured ex- the exact same color as the beer, which was like motor oil. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, this was a fantastic beer. Definitely recommend this one and honestly anything by Distille, though we've not had their beers here on the show before. They make some really good ones. But Joel, that's going to be it for this episode. Uh, listeners can find our show notes up on the website at howtomoney.com. We'll make sure to link to Nasima's site and what she's up to there. And until next time. Best friends out. Best friends out. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, 
Oh my god, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Supercharge your work decks with AI-powered Canva presentations. All you do is start with a prompt. You describe your, your presentation in a few words, and Canva presentations will generate captivating slides that you can then customize in seconds. Canva presentations are designed for every workplace and every department. Whether you work in sales, marketing, HR, ops, and more, Canva presentations can generate any deck you want for work. Sales decks, marketing presentations, onboarding plans, you name it. Any department can save time on any presentation with AI. Generate slides and seconds with Canva presentations at canva.com. Designed for work. When it comes to your finances, go for the credit card that's always there for you. With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, that means no more waiting for, quote, normal business hours just to get a hold of someone. We're talking real service from real people whenever you need it. Get the customer service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card.